and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, this is confusing. I've had Wolf singing the West Virginia fight song all morning, and now I've got the ASU fight song, which is always kind of running through my head, now actually running through my head. Interesting. But for good reason, because ASU (laughs) delivered quite the performance last night in Dayton against Nevada, and here to talk about it with us is the voice of the Sun Devils, Tim Healy. Tim, thank you so much for the time, especially considering how much I'm sure you just traveled in the last, I don't know, 12 hours. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Luke. Uh, sort of awake, but uh, I'll do my best. Uh, but you're right. Uh, that That's an interesting aspect of being in the first four. The four teams that win those games in Dayton, uh, there is a charter aircraft waiting at the airport in Dayton to take the winning teams to their next regional. Whoa. So uh, after the game, uh, the Sun Devil travel party got on buses, went to the airport, and uh, made the three-hour-plus flight to Denver, and we got to the hotel about 3.30 this morning, mountain time, and it was snowing in Denver, a little uh, welcome to the NCAA tournament here, but um, got to bed about 4. But, uh, you know, they, they just pushed. They, in fact, the, the, the team's breakfast is uh, still being served, so they are uh, got the opportunity to get a little bit of rest and uh Fortunately, their game, and uh, you know, I think it, it makes sense, their game is the last of the day in Denver tomorrow, and their practice at the uh, public uh, practice sessions at Ball Arena will be late this afternoon. So there's time to recoup a little bit of rest and uh, uh, rehab and get ready for a tough game against TCU tomorrow. Timmy, the kids must absolutely love this. What is the vibe that you're sensing from the players? Um, there's just a lot of, uh, Jemiah Neal came on the post game show with us last night. He had a terrific game, a career high, 16 points. And, and he said the team is playing with a little bit of a chip on its shoulder and you get that sense watching them play. Um, you know, I, I just think that they, to a certain extent have been undervalued. Uh, I think they felt like not only did they belong in the NCAA tournament, but that they should have been better than a you know an 11 seed having to go to Dayton in the first four. I think they felt like they were good enough and their resume was good enough that they could have gone directly to a regional, and uh, and they they just came out and uh, and played that way last night. Uh, you know there have been some uh, uh, you know I was uh, reading the Washington Post online before the game and. Uh, their uh, sports writer was predicting the outcomes of the uh, games yesterday. And, you know, he picked Nevada to win. And uh, I think there's a lot of people out there who feel it were it not for Des Cambridge's miracle three uh, at Arizona back on February 25th, that this team might not have gotten in the tournament. And I, and that's the, that's the feeling that I, I think these guys have, that they are undervalued, that they're a better team than that. Uh, I mean, they, you know, they deserve to win that game at Arizona. It took a, you know, a shot for the ages to do it, but that was a fantastic basketball game uh, start to finish leading up. And uh, um, I, I just think this team has a little bit of an edge right now. And, uh, man, oh, man, when they can hit shots, it just makes the all the difference in the world. And they shot a remarkable, what was it, like 63 64% last night, the highest of uh, any single game in the Bobby Hurley era. So uh, it, it, it's a good vibe right now. But that's the thing. It's all about survive and advance in this tournament. And, 
you know, uh, tough, tough opponents await you every step of the way, starting with uh, this coming, uh, the game coming up tomorrow night against TCU. Yeah, it only gets tougher from here. We're, we're talking to Tim Healy, voice of the Sun Devils. And Tim, you just sort of touched on it right there. They shot basically 64% from the field and 52% from three. The 98 points, the most they've scored in a game in 10 years and the most anybody's ever scored in the first four game. Uh, but it really is this team's defense more than anything else that you can you can expect will show up again tomorrow night, whether they're shooting lights out or not. Yeah, there's no question about that. Um, I think that's a good point, Luke, because uh, Frankie Collins uh, spent a lot of last night in foul trouble, but I thought he had an underrated game. He was uh, a tiger defensively, and I thought one of the key sequences in the game was early in the contest. uh, uh, Nevada has two really good guards, one of them, Jared Lucas, a tremendous shooter we saw for three years at Oregon State. And the other is a kid, uh, Keenan Blackshear, also a a D1 transfer. And within the first five minutes of the game, Collins was able to draw two offensive fouls on Blackshear, who showed, you know, pushed off with his off arm while trying to dribble and uh, penetrate against Frankie. And uh, and I think uh, Blackshear was a little bit frustrated by uh, Frankie's defense. And that just seemed to, I don't know, it just seemed to get Nevada out of sync. And uh, they had a hard time with uh, the Sun Devils' pressure. The, the, the one thing they did do, Nevada was hitting three-pointers. I think they hit 11. In fact, I think both teams had identical... Yeah three-point shooting percentages, 11 of 21 from outside the arc. But um, the, the defense is really this team's calling card. And because of that defense, uh, and I've said it before, I've probably said it in previous conversations with you guys, um, if this team can make shots, if they can shoot a respectable percentage, um, they're tough to beat because they do guard. And defense, you know, doesn't – doesn't leave you. You can play hard defensively every game. You know, some nights the shots won't fall, but you can guard every night. And, uh, you know, last night they shot that remarkable lights out percentage. But to me, the most compelling stat about this team is I think their record is now like 17 and three when they shoot 40%. You know, if 40% is not a great shooting percentage, Mm -hmm. but when they get to 40%, uh, they're 17 and three. And that's mainly because of how well they defend. And when they're shooting like they did last night, then they're really tough to beat. And they put on a performance like last night. And you look back to their best games this year. You know, they went over Michigan in the in the uh, Legends Classic in November, a road win at Oregon in early January, the game at Arizona, the common denominator. And last night, the common denominator, great shooting by Arizona State. Yeah, you know, for me, to me, when you mentioned great shooting, it was DJ Horn. He was... He was just absolutely lights out. Is this something that you expect from him as they try to make a run from DJ Horn to be as effective as he was? Now, four or five from beyond the arc, that's saying an awful lot. Yeah, uh, he, he to me, is one of the X-factor guys on the team. Uh, you know, every year, you, it's funny how in, in college basketball, you come up with teams where they there's a guy where he, if he plays well, 
then the team's probably going to win. Yeah. Years ago, the Sun Devils uh, in the Herb Sendek era had a good forward, Ty Abbott, who was that kind of player. It just seemed like whenever Ty had a good game, you could bring up a W for Arizona State. And DJ is one of those guys. And, and I think uh, another is Devin Cambridge. And, you know, Devin, the, 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 the fun stat we have with him is I think, I think he has scored double figures like he did last night. I think something like 16 games and, he, and the Sun Devils are 15 and one when he gets to 10 points or more. And sometimes those things aren't really coincidence because uh, of what they can contribute to the team overall. And DJ, I think, is really one of those X-factor guys. When he shoots well, it just seems like this team is bound to have success. And he shot, uh, you know, he had 20 points. But, you know, generally he, he can get high-scoring games without shooting a high percentage. But last night, as you said, he was uh, just unstoppable from outside the arc and uh, inside the arc as well. I mean, he had a terrific game. But, uh, yeah, I, I would certainly agree that he is one of the, if not the X factors on this team. Uh, Tim, before we let you go, everybody's baggage got there. This isn't like a Grand Canyon situation oh, where they have to practice in Baylor's gear or anything. Well, I was a little concerned, Luke, because before the game, uh, Kyle Dodd and uh, Sean Crespin, our terrific engineer, we had to leave early on a uh, lift to get to the arena, and we had to leave our luggage back at the hotel under the care of ASU's longtime uh, associate athletic director, Doug Tamaro. <laughs> and, uh, and we thought to ourselves, what could possibly go wrong with this? Um, and I was fully expecting to uh, um, get to Denver and have like no underwear, no socks, nothing. But uh, thank the Lord, the baggage all the bags all got here, and uh, we're good to go. I heard I read we read about uh, what happened with Grand Canyon. That's uh, it's almost unfathomable. I assume they chartered because most teams charter in the NCAA tournament, and how you how you miss lose bags on a charter is kind of beyond me. But uh, hopefully they got all that squared out for the uh, for the lopes and. Uh, Luckily, uh, as far as I know, for the Devil's Travel Party, everybody got their bags and everybody was in clean clothes at breakfast this morning, so all should be good. Oh, that's, that's good. I'm surprised Tamro didn't send your gear and, uh, and and Kyle's gear to like Western Pennsylvania or something. But Tim, yeah, they they took a, somebody took a picture of Doug sitting next to our standing next to our luggage, and the first thought that popped into our mind is what could possibly go wrong. You know, so. uh, Tim, great, Tim, great stuff as always, Thank man. You. Thank you. Yeah, good to see you guys. Take care. You too, brother. That's uh, Tim Healy, the voice of the Sun Devils. They will, of course, play TCU tomorrow night. And I'm just going to keep hammering this because, I mean, it's it's unlikely, with, especially with, uh, with GCU playing Gonzaga. But we are two wins away from an ASU-GCU matchup in the tournament. Uh, this is probably the closest we're going to be to that for years and years and years. Uh, all right, we come back. Back to the NBA. It sounds crazy when you say it, but tonight's Suns game against Orlando is suddenly pretty meaningful. We'll explain why next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We're going to do bracket updates, right, once we get some of these games in the book. We're going to do that in a little bit. We kind of have been. I'm watching (laughs) watching bracket updates. eternal struggle here for Wolf as Maryland and the BPI face... 
West Virginia, right out of the gate. Don't you yeah, find it ironic? Right. The very first game of the entire tournament, and you are in direct conflict with your precious BPI. Yeah, the BPI, of course, has Maryland one spot higher, one place higher. Number 21, Maryland. Number 22, West, by God, Virginia. So, in other words, the BPI doesn't know either. Uh, I'm going to play this clip for you. James Jones on with Burns and Gambo yesterday, and they asked him, okay, there's basically, what, four weeks left? How often are you, James Jones, looking at the standings? I mean, we don't, we're not looking at the standings anymore. Um, you know, we're, we're reaching a point in the season where the teams that are playing for the seeding, four, five, six, seven, eight, we all play each other. And, and so every night someone's going to go up, someone's going to go down. Uh, the standings will be, be interesting to watch from a spectator perspective, but we, we have to take it one game at a time. You know, that's how we, we, we took it once we got KD back. You know, we came in every night saying, let's just put our best game together. Like KD says all the time, let's just put some good stuff on, on tape and uh, let the result be what it will be. Uh, and so that's the mentality we'll take going forward. The Suns' final game of the regular season is three weeks from this Sunday. So, you know, it works both ways. I think we're all sick of being in this basketball purgatory where we're not even really getting answers on what the Suns are going to look like in the playoffs because obviously Durant's not playing, but these games still matter. So it's not like you can just take them off. Um, so in that sense, we're almost done with this three and a half weeks, and then, we, then we'll then we get some clarity. Then you're going to be in the playoffs, hopefully, not the play-in. But either way, you're going to be, and, and ideally, you're going to be fully healthy because you've obviously prioritized that over everything else, which I think a lot of people would do in this situation. But the flip side to it, Wolf, is that's not a lot of time to work out anything else you need to work out. And they clearly still have stuff they need to work out. Yeah, they got to work it out with Kevin Durant. Uh, just as Chris Paul told us last week, he was talking about the fact that you got to have your guys. You got to have your guys out there. And that's the problem right now. They don't have the guy, that being Kevin Durant. You know, this time of year, it's so easy to say that. You know, you just want to be playing well. You just want to be playing well right now. But games matter. You have to you have to win games as well. You have to be able to do that. And that's what's been so disappointing is, yeah, you know, part of playing well is being able to close, being able to finish. And that's where I would say the Suns have buckled a little bit. If, if you could have, if I gave you two options for tonight, you could just have the Suns go out there, you're playing Orlando, who's, I, I guess, technically still in the running for a play-in spot in the East, but that's only because everybody is. Orlando's 28 and 41. Like, they have a really, they have, I'd say, two really good players, um, and they're going to have the Rookie of the Year. But if if I gave you the option of the Suns just go out there, take care of business, and just win a game by just 18... Or it does come down to the final five minutes and the Suns have guys step up and win it that way. What would your preference be? Yeah. Um, Both wins. I'm giving you a win either way. Yeah, right. Either way, I would love to see him close out a game and do it. Yeah, I would love to see that instead of blowing somebody out. I think everybody is capable of blowing somebody out night to night. But what about actually winning it? Now, again, I wouldn't be crazy if you tell me the Suns were behind big, as they have been the last couple of games, behind a significant amount of points and then came back and got it close and then buckled. Um, You know, that's what we have seen as of late and that kind of bothers me right now. You got to be playing well. We we hear so many pros, so many guys, based on audience, they talk about going into the postseason and how well you got to be playing. It's not just 
the how, though. It's also the what. You have to win games. There are games right now. You you play the Milwaukee Bucks, by way of example. Play the Bucks, best team in the league. If the Suns got down big, which they did, and then they came back in that game and made it a game, and then at the end, what happened? The Bucks kind of pulled away. But if the Suns were right there at the end, and it came down to the last possession, and they missed a shot, had a good look, missed a shot, you lose a game. That happens. You give your best, and you lose a game. It's going to happen. But you can actually get better in a loss. You can. If you play well, you can actually get better in a loss. Milwaukee, I would agree with you. Orlando, if you play well, you shouldn't lose to Orlando. If the Phoenix Suns, even as currently constructed, go out there and play a good basketball game of what they're capable of, they should just be able to handle Orlando. Yes. Now, Milwaukee, I mean, it's it's tough to, to fully accept, but it's also the truth right now. This This version of the Suns without KD and obviously without the pieces you traded for them, they're going to have a hard time with Milwaukee. We've seen it twice now in the last uh, couple of weeks. But Orlando, you should be able to beat them. And, and so, you know, to your point, if, if the Suns come out and, hey, it's, you know, it's 21-7 to 7 Orlando, I'm, I'm not going to be happy with that. <laughs> just, Even if they come back and win, I'm going to be like, what are you doing? Exactly. Like, you're at home and you're playing a team you should be able to, to really run right off the court. And they need, I think, a See, game like that. For me right now, it's I, I totally get the feeling that the Suns might have. I'm not saying this is what's going on inside that locker room base in Orleans, but I can tell you that just watching them from the outside, they, you got to win the game. That, it's like that's all they care about. They have to win the game because they know right now, you know, look at um, it's a little bunched up in the Western Conference. You know, seating, we're not really worried about that, but winning games just treading water, basically, until Kevin Durant gets back here. Because we all know what Kevin Durant is going to do for this team when he gets back. It's That's the pervasive thought. That's what I think a lot of us think of. And I think these guys kind of feel the same way to some degree. Just find a way to win the game instead of going out there and saying, hey, let's come together. This is who we are. This is this is our culture. This is what it's going to be all about going forward. When they know Kevin Durant is huge in regard to that culture. So how can you actually do that? And that's what I think we're seeing. They get a little lost from time to time now. And it's because I think they are distracted with that truth. The difference from what we're, we're seeing when they when they traded for KD but he wasn't playing is they were still winning those games for the most part. So it was just kind of like, all right, yeah, we want to see him just on a human level. Like, let's get going here. Let's see you know, how patient do you have to be. But at least they were. And it was almost, it almost felt secondary because there was so much buzz around KD. Okay, they're finally going to get Kevin Durant. This is amazing. But they would just go out there and beat Indiana. They beat Sacramento. They beat Oklahoma City. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't. It's like they were on a 10-game winning streak. Yeah. They were losing some games, too, but for the most part, they were winning. Now, he goes down, you play three games and lose all three. And it's, you don't know what you got until it's gone. Yeah. And that kind of feels, that to me, is what I, I, I see from the Suns. A little uncertainty. Um, and, and not a lack of confidence, not from guys like Devin Booker or or Chris Paul or even D.A. for that matter. But I do see guys that seem to be pressing. And why that is, I, I, I'm not entirely sure. 
But campaign would be the first guy that comes to mind. A guy that seems to be pressing. Damian Lee as well. But Damian Lee has just disappeared in the second half of the season. It's so crazy because he was so effective in the first half of the season. I want to play one more here from James Jones uh, with Burns and Gambo on any sort of emphasis at avoiding the play-in tournament. No, I mean, it's to, it's to, it's to play our best basketball. To do, to do two things, play our best basketball and, uh, and win. Um, and, and if that puts us in the top four, of course you want to be in the top four because you get a home game. Uh, game seven is in your building. Um, and, and it's always great to have that advantage. But, um, you know, no one, I don't think anyone wants to play in the play-in. That's just an extra game. Um, it's another opportunity to, to get hurt. Uh, so you try to minimize that. But, you know, there's no extra added um, incentive for us. So, you know, we're not going to go out and play harder to avoid the play-in game. We're going to play as hard as we can because we still see a chance to ascend in, in the standings. Hey, James, I didn't even think of it that way. <laughs> it's just like I don't want to be in a one-and-done with a couple teams that maybe are better than their records. I didn't even think of, hey, that's two extra games where somebody could get hurt. <laughs> Uh, this is that was a, was that is, subliminal, James? This is going to be a tense uh, few months here, isn't it? Yeah, you know, hey, listen, somebody go out there and get hurt. <laughs> Even when they win in the playoffs, I feel like we're all going to be like, hey, okay, the Suns won. That's great. They won game three against the Clippers in, in round one. Everybody okay? Everybody good? <laughs> Everybody just wrap yourselves in bubble wrap, and we'll see you on Thursday. You want to be playing your best basketball. I don't know how you're going to be playing your best basketball if you don't have a, a large enough sample size to get KD going. And when I say KD, again, it's not about KD. KD per se. It's about everyone else around him that would respond to him and want and might be a little unsure as to how to work with him. KD is, is not going to be like that. I think KD is going to be KD. I think it's his teammates that need that exposure. All right, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, got some background on one of the newest Cardinals, courtesy of Big Red Rage, and we'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It is a lot more fun. When I mean, right now, we've got 64 teams left that can win the national championship, and three of them from Arizona are in it, right? And so we've got these games. We've got two of them on in the studio right now. We've got West Virginia, Maryland. So obviously, you went to West Virginia. Keep singing the fight song, so I would hope so. No. You got Jared out there. If you walk outside, he's freaking out about Maryland. we got Missouri, Utah, and another TV. We both know somebody out in the newsroom who went to Missouri. Um, Utah State, I don't know if I know anybody that went there. I feel like I do. But either way, like you just constantly, every time you walk out there, somebody's stressed out about one yeah. of these games right now. It's great. You feel like you should know somebody that went to Utah State, but you don't. It's, yeah. It's a weird feeling. But I, it is. It's, <laughs> it is a weird feeling because I feel like I know somebody, somebody. walking around here from Utah State. And we're going to both get a text from somebody here at some point. Uh, over to football. Mark Duda was on Big Red Rage last night. You know Mark Duda. <laughs> you Mark Duda. Oh, my goodness. Mark Duda. Dude's base in Onions. That's what we used to call him. Actually, they called him Stosh. All right. That was his nickname when I first showed up there. I call him Dude's. But his nickname was Stosh. Don't ask me why right now. Okay, please like don't Mustache? Do no, oh. no, like Stosh, S-T-O-S-H. That's okay. Stosh. Um, but here's the thing about it. He is probably the best 
junior college head coach in the country and maybe ever. Lackawanna Junior College. I cannot even tell you how many guys, 400 guys, he's put into Division I programs over the years. 400 dudes. That's decent. Think about that, okay? How many pros he's coached as well. Mark Duda. He used to be my former teammate and roommate, based on earnings. My very first roommate on the road was Mark Duda. They put a fullback with a three technique. (laughs) Are you kidding me? And we hit it off. He's still, to this day, one of my favorite people and a dear friend. And we had the opportunity on Big Red Rage to talk to him. Guess what Mark Duda did? He actually coached Kaiser White when Kaiser White was in junior college. Did, did you ask him why it took like 605 episodes for him to come on Big Red Rage if you guys used to be roommates? Um, I don't know. Okay. It was Jim Omohundro, of course, oh, the okay. producer <laughs> who actually sets all that all right, stuff that's up. Um, here, you mentioned Kaiser White. So you guys asked him. Are you asking Mark Duda what kind of player Kaiser White is? What, what we expect here now in the middle of the Cardinals defense? He's tough as they can cover people. Remember, he has some safety background. Then he went to West Virginia. Wolf, but he was a spur. You know, he's an outside edge kind of like they're like a tween between a, a you know a safety and a backer. Right. And so the kid can really do that. So I, I think his ability to cover is really really good too. And the kid just come up there and strike it. And the best play I think he makes in the Super Bowl. I think. Quarterback comes, gets clean, starts running down the field, and he just comes back and runs them down to the backside, runs them down, throws them on the ground. I mean, so I think the kid is that kind of guy, and I think he'll add some maturity. And that sounds crazy, but he's been in the league a little bit, and I think he's a mature guy, a real professional guy. I mean, I bet you if you weighed him in today and you weigh him in six months from now, it would be exactly the same, that kind of guy. That's that's the disciplined kind of guy that I think Jonathan Gannon wants to bring in on this team and this new culture. Well, Gannon knows him, too, obviously, from Philadelphia. <laughs> Jonathan Gannon, of course, knows him very, very well. So does Nick Rawless. It's one of the reasons why I think it's a slam dunk for the Arizona Cardinals going forward. I love the fact that Zayvon Collins, as well, is going to have a more experienced weak side inside linebacker to help him out. A weak side inside that is already very familiar with the terminology and the defensive schemes that they're going to run. That will help Zayvon Collins. That's the... When we were talking regime change, the first name I thought of was Zayvon Collins, other than Kyler Murray. Other than Kyler Murray, the first name was Zayvon Collins. That's actually a really good point because my first thought was Isaiah Simmons. But Zayvon Collins was progressing last year. Yes, he was. You don't, again, that doesn't mean you don't make a change, but it is something you have to be aware of. If you make the change, you risk throwing him off or stunting his development or at least making him kind of go in a different direction. That might pay off for him, though, too. Again, you change the terminology, and all of a sudden it's like speaking a different language. And some coaches have different schemes, and they teach cover two by way of example. Cover two, two safeties deep, five underneath, rush four. That's what that is. But there are so many subtleties that vary from coach to coach as to how they teach cover two. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So now, points of emphasis where they might emphasize something else, 
Now it's totally different than what the last coach did. So you can see the problem. Well, we've seen it here firsthand in the past. I mean, there was there was a stretch there where you kept changing coaches and defensive coordinators, and nobody really, I shouldn't say nobody, but for the most part, guys really didn't develop. I mean, it's it's so logical that it gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. Yes, and I think it's going to be great for Zayvon Collins to have Kaiser White as somebody he can fall on, somebody he can he can get with, somebody that he can compare notes to, literally compare notes with, and say, okay, it's going to help him absorb this defense going forward. And not only that, it's also the fact that Isaiah Simmons, again, he gets to go up On the edge, and I I don't have anybody telling me this. Nobody's telling me that's where he's going. That's just me thinking that's where he's going to go. And I get so jacked up because if there's one place you don't want to really think, and of course every position you got to think, but if there's one position on the defensive side of the ball you just don't really want to think about, it's edge. Just go out there and use all of that ability, all of that talent, all of your skill to get to the passer. And that's what I think is going to happen with Isaiah Simmons. Uh, here's more from Mark Duda on Kaiser White. I don't think there's any question. You know, I think I think when he was younger, 18 or 19 years old, that's all he did, right? He was a, he was a half-safety guy for us and, you know, was a man guy as well. So he got to work on those skills a lot more than a, a backer would do, just a normal guy who played backer his whole career. So... And he's been on number two receivers an awful lot in his life, right? So for him, when he works down against the kid in the box, a, a bigger tight end type of kid, I think that's a, a really good matchup for a kid like that with those skills. Yeah. You know, he also went on to talk about him as a kid. I don't know if you've got that there, the type of person that he is. The... Uh, I got one more. Okay. Just fire it off and see oh, what yeah. it is. And here's the interesting about him, I think. You know, when I got him, he, was a, he, was, he came out of high school. He's a state. He weighed about... 202 pounds somewhere in there but but like real super strong kid and you knew he was going to be in a backer you know it was just he had that kind of body to him but he loves football this sounds so cliche but it's not it's not bull whatsoever he is a guy who loves football no matter what first down second down last down first game no matter what so that enthusiasm you see is not fake all right so it's really kind of refreshing to see a guy who flies around like that who really loves it that much so I think they'll get a great player, and the kid's durable. He'll, he'll go 100 miles an hour. He, just, he doesn't break a toenail and take a week off. That's that kind of kid. <laughs> that's, well, that's, that's good. That's it. Once again, the culture, and the, he's going to be able to walk in to that locker room from day one and start modeling the culture that JG and his staff wants. That's why I'm so excited about this, because of what it does for guys like Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins and having a true weak side inside linebacker that has Super Bowl experience, has a a great amount of ability and loves the game. He's going to be able to model exactly what it is that J.G. wants inside that locker room and other guys then, they can regurgitate what they're seeing. That's what modeling culture is all about. All right, we come back. Uh, Two of the quarterbacks at the top of that 2018 draft are back in the news. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
irritating way to come back from break. No. Dang it. Well, you're 1-0 in your bracket, and I'm 0-1, if that makes you feel any better. Oh, my goodness. 67-65? Yeah. West Virginia loses. West Virginia got a look there at the end, too. They had a shot, and they blew it. Yeah. That looked like me shooting a long three. 67-65. You know what's so amazing about that, Basinonians? Maryland was 21 BPI. West Virginia, 22. Does BPI have an explanation for why Virginia is having a hard time with Furman? Would would you say that's close, that game? Yes, yes of course. Close. You would. Can you taste that? I don't even I don't know, know where Furman so, is. Wait a minute. You lost that game? You picked West Virginia? I mean, maybe I should go back and look. Maybe. I'm, I'm crushed that my Mounties lost. I was hoping that BPI would be wrong. They were not. Well, here, let me check for an update on our website. Oh, wait, Wolf's bracket hasn't been entered yet, so you're still 0-0. <laughs> Will you knock it off? <laughs> we're taking a picture of it. Yes, that's the way everybody enters their brackets in 2023 by right photo. Now, how old school is that right now if I just take a picture of this bracket? Next year, you should so. chisel your picks into a rock. <laughs> just set it in the middle of the newsroom. Here's Wolf's picks. That's so bad. Uh, Baker Mayfield. This is where I want to start for football. Okay. What is Tampa? The music just went away. <laughs> Baker is. Mayfield just killed the music. Tampa Bay, signing him for a year. What do you think they potentially see in Baker Mayfield? Are they looking at him as like, okay, he's a bridge quarterback, or do you think they believe there is still some upside there? Yeah, you know, I I think there is a little something-something with Baker Mayfield, and I think it's one of the reasons why you go out, you get a guy like that. He's got a little swag. We all understand that. He's a guy that if you put him in the right offense, I still think he can go out there and be serviceable. Not going to say that he's going to win you championships. I'm not saying that you're going to the playoffs every year because you've got Baker Mayfield as your quarterback. I, I think he is a solid quarterback when you put him in the right offense. And I also think he's a guy that can be a bridge <laughs> to somebody else. And I think that's what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are looking at Baker Mayfield. It's one of the reasons why they signed him to a one-year contract. Well, and so, I mean, all they had other than now Baker was Kyle Trask at that position. But this is another player whose name was at least, I don't want to say linked to the Cardinals, but was talked about, right? I mean, you assume the Cardinals are going to go out and sign another quarterback before the start of the next season. Now, I am hearing more and more people say, well, what if they just go with Colt to start next season? Which, you know, I think you've you've suggested that all along. Totally. Um, totally. totally. I don't know that I want... That's like instinct, by the way, now, too. Like, if that happens off the show and somebody just says totally, even if they're not talking to me, I have to lean in and be like, totally. I'm not even trying to say totally. And it just comes out, totally. Totally. And then you got to say it well, again. Yeah, you have to drive the point Totally. Uh, Baker Mayfield would have been somebody that you would have at least thought about maybe for the Cardinals, just like Jacoby Brissett, who is now in Washington. So I am starting to wonder if the Cardinals are looking and saying, yeah, we'll just go with Colt McCoy for the start of next year, which, again, Colt's fine. And if it's two or three games, he's already shown he can win you one or two of those two or three games. But... I can't believe that they would know. I've, something just happened behind the glass, Lauren. What? 
What, what is going on back there? Did Furman just beat Virginia? Furman just hit a three to go up one on Virginia after they stole the ball on an inbounds play. Oh and now my. they are up 68-67 with 2.2 seconds That's left. Oh one game I couldn't goodness, get on the TV no. during the break. Oh, where's your BPI now? Where is the BPI? Furman well, in three? the end, you know, that's all that matters. It's not the score. It's not a spread. <laughs> Like you gamblers out <laughs> Furman's there. Furman's winning. So Isn't Furman winning? No, yeah, they're winning. Yes. I'm just saying. Okay. I, well, if they hit it, they got two points. Right. You can still get a if shot. You, did your BPI account for the fact that Virginia is the only number one seed to lose to a 16 in the NCAA tournament? Uh, <laughs> He's see. looking through his papers. I don't think that's that exactly what happened there, now that you mention it, Bix. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) this is the one game we don't have on a TV in here because we're watching West Virginia. It's West Virginia. It's West Virginia. Okay, stop it. Miss the Furman. What's their mascot? Furbies? The Furman Furbies? I, I don't think it's, I it's, have no it's idea something. It's what like a you are talking or something. about right now. I, Furman, the college. They're okay, about to Furman. Go. I don't know anything about Furman. I went to West by God, Virginia. Okay, Furman. You don't say. We if we played Furman, we destroy. They don't even have a football program, do they? Over at Furman. Okay, the there's Paladins. somebody out there. The Furman Paladins. There's somebody. Oh, the, now that's a great name. What also, is Furman is located in Greenville, South Carolina. Okay. That was asked earlier. Okay, that's where it is. <laughs> <laughs> this is just so random. I'm loving this. How much of your geography do you think you've learned via March Madness? Because there's always like two schools. What was it last year? St. Peter's. We all had to look up where St. Peter's was, and this year it might be Furman. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know that I want Colt McCoy starting a bunch of games to begin next season. And even if he is going to start a bunch of games to begin next season, he's going to have to have a backup, right? Yeah, but Colt McCoy, I think, is the option. I don't know why anybody thought there was going to be something else. Colt McCoy, of course, the offseason, he's going to be hindered a little bit with his injury, but nobody was talking about him going into training camp not being 100%. So I I never understood the you've got to go out and get somebody. But I do understand in case he goes down, you do want to have a veteran guy. And not just a like, well, we're just going to get through. Like, I don't want I don't want the Cardinals to be one play away from their third string quarterback to start next season. You know what I mean? Yes. And and I get it. Your your first string is hurt. But I, I there's got to be a way. It doesn't have to be Baker Mayfield or even Jacoby Brissett, but it's got to be somebody like that that you can have where you basically have like two number two quarterbacks. Because if Colt McCoy gets hurt in the first week, I don't want to be like, hey, it's time for Trace McSorley for the first eight weeks of the season. Trace McSorley. <laughs> Trace, I love Trace McSorley. Um, I, I just don't know if he would have worked in this offense going forward. Well, okay, David Blau. Um, I don't want David Blau for eight weeks I, either. I, I want a guy that started I games in the NFL. I understand where you're coming from on that. Uh, Baker Mayfield, though, I want to go back to Baker Mayfield. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers would you say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers need a quarterback? Do you yes. think they need a quarterback? They have Kyle Trask and nothing else yeah. until Brady comes back. Beware. Beware of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what they might be willing to give up, to move up, if they find a quarterback that they think is going to be good, Will Levis. If they find a quarterback, they think, okay, maybe not in the top four, not maybe not moving up to number three the way the Indianapolis Colts are going to want to move up to number three. 
But maybe, I don't know, getting in front of the Raiders at number seven, possibly. I could see that being the case. So what do you do? You go out and you get a Baker Mayfield. Got a little swag to him. Guy that's been around. A guy that might be in an offense that you want to run. Isn't that right, Todd? Bulls? Um, Yeah, I could see that happening. Oh, maybe a quarterback that you're going to try to actually fit into the mold of what Baker Mayfield can pull off. Because he can actually do a blending of the two and has in Cleveland for a while. So that makes sense to me. I, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, sleepy, sleepy good and sleepy dangerous in terms of actually getting a quarterback Picking for the draft. 19th in the draft this year as it stands right now. It's um And could move up. Every time you talk about a team moving up, I just think, okay, well, this is the plan. The Cardinals move down to four, get, get you know, get a little bit more, and then maybe move down from like four to like six, and then maybe like six to nine. <laughs> just just come out of this draft with 18 draft picks and like three players you've I know, you've but it just goes back, doesn't it? Look at the urgency the Indianapolis Colts must feel. Look at the urgency. But there's a lot of teams that need a quarterback. What do you? There's a lot of teams that need a quarterback, Luke. And just think, they're sitting there at number four. They're like, okay, the Cardinals are going to take Will Anderson. They're not going to take anybody else. They're not going to take. They know doggone well anybody that needs a quarterback that's behind them. Oh, they're going to move up to number three. The Arizona Cardinals, <laughs> they got to be calling. I'd be calling the Colts every stinking day. Hey, what are you offering today? <laughs> oh, here we go. Wolf's what, calling what do you us got? again. Oh, no, sorry. Bink. Hang up the phone. Mid-sentence while they start Just to talk. Seriously, yeah. what are you offering? Because I think we all know this is going to happen. It's going to happen, Luke. Furman won. Oh, no. How Can I just ask this? We have games on, on three of the TVs. Furman won. Furman won. Boy, Virginia might just want to take the first round off for a while. <laughs> I guess they are taking the first round BPI. off. BPI. Yeah, I don't that's, think they even had Furman. <laughs> the BPI. You're going to need to print out some more pages there, buddy, if you want to find Furman. Oh, boy. Um, how do we have three TVs on and they never cut to the end of that game? I, I have no idea. I mean, Clark That's Kellogg is wearing a crazy suit, but I don't need to see it while Furman's playing Virginia. Man. Wow. West Virginia <laughs> and Virginia, both gone in the first. Virginia got a good look, too. Oh, it hit the rim twice before it bounced no! off. Oh, that would have been great to see on one of the four TVs in here. But instead, I'm watching a commercial with Danny DeVito, which is you know basically the same. Uh, all right, that was, uh, that was a strange segment of radio. Uh, when we come back, all of today's top sports stories in one place, Wolf and Down Your Lunch is next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.